Okay. Hey guys. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's do that again. Hey guys, welcome back to Merlison, a bi-weekly podcast about BBC's Merlin where we talk about the show, the ships, the fandom, and the characters. I'm Miss Snowfox. And I'm Momotastic. And this time around, we're going back to talking about fix. We're very, very excited. This is the fourth fic category that we have. We've done early fix, canon fix, Arthur Returns, and now we're doing modern AU, which we're very, I know Momo is very excited about this category, so that's awesome. And we have another special guest with us who is now officially a Melissa vet. (laughs) It's Isaac, who joined us on a previous episode about fix. Say hi. Hello. <laughs> and yeah, we're we're really looking forward to talking about all of the modern AU that Merlin has to offer because there is a lot of it. Um but before we get into that, Momo has a lot of admin for you that she's dying to tell you about. So yeah, let's hear some news. The Tumblr user Muse in Absentia has started a Discord server for beta readers. Whether you're a beta yourself or looking for one, you can join this Discord to find a writer to beta for or a beta to edit your work. Lao Pendragon has opened up pre-orders for her Merlin fanbook. For the price of a couple of Kofi donations, you can pre-order their Merlin fanart book. Pre-orders are open until May 19th. Editions are limited. Merlin Reverse Big Bang has posted the posting schedule. Posting starts on the 17th of May. They've also posted information on how to post works in their LJ community, so go and check that out. The Bottom Arthur Fest is in full swing and ends after Monday the 13th of May, so you have all of today and tomorrow to post your works for it. Merlin Memory Month is also in full swing. Every couple of days, the fest has a new theme. A full list of all themes is posted on their Tumblr. Go and check them out if you too want to celebrate everything Merlin this month. And that has been it for news. Back to rocks. Yay! (laughs) So... Carrying on with the normal order of things, we have some talkbacks that we would like to go through today. And as always, Isaac, you know the rules. If you would like to chip in, please chip in and tell us your opinions. So let's get started. So our first talkback comes from Eliwen, and she had comments about our character analysis episodes on Gwen and Leon. And here is what Eliwen said. About Leon's possible family member, if he were a family member, he could have been representing the family at court, and when he died, Leon was sent to court in his stead. That would be nice fan and explanation of why Leon wasn't in season one. So this is in reference to this knight in the second episode, Valiant, who wears the same crest on his on his shirt as Leon does in the second season. So we had this like idea of who who is this? Are they related to Leon? Why why are they here and Leon isn't and so on? So yeah, this is not a bad headcanon except that it suggests that 
Leon wasn't living in Camelot all his life. But as we know from later on in the show, Leon and Gwen grew up together in Camelot. They have known each other since they were children. So Leon has always been in Camelot. If anything, he would have had to have been sent away from Camelot for a while and then come back. That's the only thing that makes sense, that he was sent away and once his family member died, he returned to Camelot. But then that leaves the question open as to why he went away. Maybe he was on a quest to prove himself? <laughs> I don't know, I'm just pulling things out of my butt here. <laughs> but like the, the thing of um, Leon being Arthur's like sort of mentor in the night, is that Fanon or Canon? Because I genuinely can't remember. Uh, I yeah, don't that's Fanon. I'm pretty sure that's Fanon. Yeah, that's okay. not Canon. Yeah. I mean, obviously the uh, Doylean explanation as to why this happened is because the writers only meant to make Leon a one-off character in season two, and then for some reason the fans latched onto him and loved him. <laughs> Leon got to stay the entire season and then the entire show, and they they right didn't until the end, <laughs> and they didn't expect us to pick up on the fact that they used the same costume for two different nights. I don't think they expected us to be making a podcast about a show that's been off the air for five years. To be honest with you. Uh... I don't think they did, no. Uh, so I think it's some of these things are just going to tip the whole like salt shaker onto the table, not just a grain of salt, just the entire thing. Nope, yep, yep, yep. Oh, gosh. All right. Um, Eliwen goes on. I think Gwen would be able to keep Merlin's secret. In a way, Gwen and Merlin have one thing in common. They use acting like fools as deflection from what is actually happening in their head. After all, he never told Arthur that he's actually of noble birth. Of course, Gwen is more goofy and carefree in general, but he also has less stuff weighing him down. But he would most definitely not break Merlin's trust by telling about his magic. The thing is, we only assume that Gwen is of noble birth because his father was a knight. However, Gwen is from a different country, not Camelot, so we don't have any inclination or like any proof about whether or not Gwen was actually of noble birth. Or not, we just assume this. The thing is, though, is that even though he says my father was a knight, not necessarily that my father was a nobleman, like, there is, and, you know, I don't know if maybe this is Merlin's naivety of not knowing, like, rules of other countries, but, like, when they're sitting and polishing the shoes, he says to Gwen, if you told them that your father was a knight, you wouldn't have to be polishing these shoes, which I always took to mean that Merlin knew that like he was of a higher social standing than he was like putting out there into the world. And that if Uther knew that he was a knight, he would immediately like give him a higher standing at court. So maybe it was like kind of universally known that like you can't be a knight unless you have some kind of nobility in you. Or maybe yeah. if you come from another, or maybe even like if you were knighted in, in another country, like, or another kingdom, maybe even if you weren't born noble, the fact that you are knighted, anyway like when you come to Camelot makes you more important so yeah. I think even the fact that he was the son of a knight like regardless of his birth and regardless of the rules elsewhere I think put him in 
in a higher class than Merlin anyway. And I think Merlin knew that. But yeah, they didn't really, they kind of dropped the ball with the wording on that one. Yeah. Yeah, but like with Will, like Will's dad was a knight, I uh, I think, but they're living in a peasant village. But like, was he a knight or was he just a soldier? It's never really said that he yeah, was a knight. It's just that he true. fought in Senrit's army. He could just have been yeah. a soldier, a foot soldier. That's different than a knight. Yeah. So many questions. <laughs> so many questions. But mostly about, like, because obviously the main part of the question here was about Gwen blabbing about Merlin's secret. And I guess I never really picked up on the fact that, yeah, no one ever finds out of, about Gwen's kind of, you know, no um noble or knightly beginnings or whatever but i i don't know why i have a feeling that it just would come out somehow i don't know why i have this feeling i think it's more to do with the fact that he drinks a lot so like it would come out by accident like someone like lancelot who sits at home reading poetry and crying himself to sleep every night i doubt that he would like say anything but with Gwen, i just feel like he's so kind of friendly when he's had a few and like an open that it would just kind of come out just like by mistake i don't know like does anyone else have that kind no, of no like, i can thing? i can see that i can definitely see that so we have this the second head canon that Gwen just probably told someone but since he was already knighted at that point in like let's say he came out with it in in season four after he was already knighted again so you know it's inconsequential yeah. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, wouldn't it be interesting? Like, this is this is just a sort of canon divergent idea. If they went to the kingdom that Gwen was from, and he hadn't really told anyone, and then he's there, and someone at court there recognizes him. Oh yeah. yeah. Ooh, that would have been so great. The the so following on from uh, that, uh, she carries on to say, he meaning Gwen would probably nag at Merlin to tell Arthur and insisted Merlin took him with him when he'd be about to tell Arthur so that he could protect him just in case Arthur's temper got the better of him. And if Merlin got banished, he'd totally throw the knight's cape at Arthur's head and leave. Yeah, I can definitely see Gwen leaving with Merlin if, like, that ever happened. And actually, you know, if if we never had a magic reveal that went badly... I think that would actually be a really cool way of like doing some kind of split narrative because obviously Gwen we've established as more Merlin's friend than Arthur's friend. And if Merlin left and went to live in the Eldor for a bit, like I think it would be a bit boring just to have like half the show in Camelot and half the show just Merlin. So if Gwen left with him, you'd have that like this weird kind of buddy comedy thing happening like in like half the show and then Camelot stuff happening in the other half. And that, yeah, I think that would be quite cool until Arthur forgave him and then he came back. But that would be quite cool. What do you guys think? I mean, I mean, like now I'm just thinking about what if Lancelot was alive? Uh, would he stay in Camelot for Gwen, or would he go with Merlin and Gwen? Mm, this is very if, difficult. If <laughs> Gwen was already dating Arthur and getting married to him, then Lancelot would leave with Merlin. If there was a chance for Lancelot that he and Gwen could become a thing, then I think he'd stay in. Camelot because Merlin will have Gwen to protect him. Yeah. It's a difficult one for me to answer because on the one hand I feel like Lancelot would never leave Gwen if he had a choice, but then I'm like he also really is protective over Merlin. I think in an ideal world he'd just take Gwen with him. 
<laughs> be like, all of you can just leave together and live happily ever after, please. That would be awesome. And but, then um, Arthur is left alone in his kingdom. <laughs> and then you have Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> he starts to like walk on all fours and grows long hair. <laughs> I, again, so many headcanons that we're coming up with today. Right, let's move on. So, she then goes on to say, Arthur acting better towards Merlin in season five might not be Gwen's influence, or at least not just his influence. I think Gwen might be playing a big role in that too. Plus, they're all older. Arthur is around 30, and people often change around that time. The wild stupidity of youth is usually fading, and the steady, calm security of true adulthood settles in. I would like to refute this because I'm over 30 and I can tell you that that's wrong. (laughs) Yeah, and also, like, you can't really compare, like, milestones of adulthood today to milestones of adulthood back then because people had to grow up a lot faster because they lived much shorter lives, first of all. Second of all, I'm pretty sure we've already established in a previous episode that Arthur... The episode is airing today, actually, so fair enough, Ellen, you didn't know this, but I think we figured out based on the timeline that Arthur was actually in his late 20s when he died so he would not have been 30 in season 5 anyway and see I do think that yes Gwen's influence is probably a big part of this but the thing is I don't really know because Gwen's been in Arthur's life since season 2 at this point and it's not really made much difference up until the I would say season 4 is when we really start to see a difference in him uh, and then really really big difference going into season 5 and um, yeah so I don't no, and you know, it just so happens that Gwen started living in Camelot in between season three and four. So, that <laughs> uh, no, I think that it is definitely the like part of the way they were trying to evolve his character to be more mature and more of like a king rather than the stupid like humor of him hitting Merlin and being mean to Merlin. Because I can definitely see a shift like in that year between season three and four, how much calmer and kinder he is and then in season five i just feel like it's it's the arthur that we've always wanted (laughs) in season five with the way he speaks to merlin so i don't know what the uh what the reason is for that i think part of it is just character growth in my head canon i definitely would like to think that people around him were kind of encouraging him to isn't it also like in if, if you say the character shift started between season three and four isn't it just brought on by Uther losing his mind and Arthur having to step up to the plate and therefore being forced to mature? Sure, I think that's definitely where they were yeah, going with exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah, I, I was going to mention, like, it's probably just um, kingship and him having to be more mature. And I think that by season five, the fact that they're still sort of bantering and being semi-mean to each other, and even in, at the end of, like, season season four, it's Mostly just because it's familiar, and like they've always worked that way. It takes on a different tone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, their bantering in season five for me is just like perfect. Like especially in the in the first two episodes, I'm just like, this is exactly what I've always wanted. And you know, Arthur actually like, I mean, he's always been relative. Okay. He's been attuned to Merlin's emotions when the writers want him to be attuned to Merlin's emotions. Uh, and we see that in Lady of the Lake, for example. But I think definitely by season five, there's just there's so many more instances where we see him actually thinking about what Merlin's feeling and, you know, asking him, are you OK? Come sit with us. Listen, if you're afraid, you can go home, you know, things like that. Um, I mean, come on. Where? I mean, 
two seasons ago he would have just told him to man up and like move ahead you know like which is what he was basically doing for the whole show and this time he's just being he's just being kinder like he's just a much kinder person in general which yeah i think definitely comes from the fact that he had to grow up pretty quickly um throughout season four and then obviously became king very very suddenly bless his bless his heart (laughs) so yeah. yeah uh so what do we have next we have Another super short comment from Elio N, who had some additional fic recs for our early fix and canon fix. And so we're going to leave a link to that comment thread uh, in this episode so you can check out all of the recs that she provided. Next, we have a comment by I Love Hertius on our Arwen episode. And they said, I just listened to this and I really liked the discussion about the lack of a pregnancy as well as a lack of discussion around the topic. I'd be very interested in hearing why the writers decided not to discuss that topic within the show, but I guess we'll never know. They forgot! That's yeah, why we they never did. hear anything about it. They forgot! <laughs> Also, I just don't think it was part of the story they wanted to tell because I recently came across an interview when they were film uh i think they must have been going into season five or they hadn't started season five or something like that but arthur and gwen were married so they definitely like had done season four and we were in the hiatus and someone asked them about this they were like oh so what about like a royal baby or something and and it's like written down but i think it's like mentioned on the record that they laugh or something and like oh i don't know we haven't even thought thought about that maybe season 10 <laughs> so they just haven't like i just don't i think they okay a i i genuinely think they thought they were going to have more seasons than they ended up having and when it came down to asking the boys if they wanted to come back for more they said no thank you and so they had to wrap things up in the way that they did and i think had they had more seasons we probably would have had a baby storyline of some kind it probably would have been a huge part of the thing and knowing them if they were gonna do what they've done thus far and try to pull from the legends it probably would have been a huge we can't conceive storyline and that would have been a a huge part of the show but i think um what probably ended up happening was they got kind of the red light from the cast or whoever that they didn't want to do any more seasons and then when they came to write season five they were like do we want to wrap up the story we have or do we want to like do a royal baby storyline not really (laughs) so i can kind of see why they chose not to it just was completely irrelevant to the story at this point but that's just my opinion um well i mean i wonder if they ever would have done like um sort of infertility storyline because i feel that it's quite a heavy topic for a family show Mm. yeah uh to, to like teach children that oh sometimes people just aren't able to have children yeah but that's so literally think... the whole thing of arthur's birth like yeah they... but then they were able to have children i mean arthur was still born yeah it's the thing of arthur's birth but that's like one episode and then that ends it's never brought up again so i i think if you would do an entire storyline with that that may be a bit too heavy and i think they just wanted to keep the show very like generated so yeah we can have like a few kisses because kids know that when you love someone you kiss them but we're not gonna talk about like <laughs> sex and infertility and stuff like that yeah maybe i don't I can know see that. i can, I can see, see that. them doing it by the time we get to season five i think they definitely kind of were treading on more adult waters anyway like i think by because 
you know, they have, I mean, they, they covered infertility in season one and then it came up again in season two. And it's not something that they kind of, you know, they, they covered, um, infidelity, like with the Morgana storyline, you know, there's obviously murder and all this kind of stuff. I think you can get away with talking about infertility without having to talk about other things. Um, so I think you can probably do it. Like I said, they did it. They said Uther and Agrain couldn't have children. They didn't need to go into the ins and outs of, you know, them trying to have children. So. Yeah, but that's, that's because they didn't have to go into it because it had already happened. There was, a statement after the fact they couldn't have children then they used magic then they had Arthur if you have a storyline about Arthur and Gwen not being able to have children then you would have to address the fact that they can't have children and not just fix it it would have to be an actual story point with like discussion as to why maybe they can't have children I don't know yeah exactly you would have to make it an extended sort of thing if you wanted to make it a storyline i don't think like just saying like oh we can't have kids for like a minute and then just never mentioning it again would like make sense like that would just sort of seem like an afterthought so i think that if you would introduce it you would have to make it a thing yeah i mean they could have put a reference to that in one of the finale episodes for example, where Gwen and Arthur talk about, well, Arthur, if you die in the battle tomorrow, then you won't have an heir because we've been trying to have children for four years and it's not working. And then, you know, that could have been the reference. Yeah. And that would have been enough. Anyway, I Love Hurtius also says, Thank you for recommending three of my videos. Your kind words meant a lot to me, and it was wonderful to hear people actually talk about my videos, rather than just reading comments. It really made my day. <laughs> this one goes out to Vox, clearly, because... I think I wrecked the, yeah, those, those, those videos. Yeah, they're really good. What can I say? <laughs> we're, we're glad you like them. I don't know if you're listening to this episode, but if you are, I like your videos. So there you go. And then we have one more little tiny comment. Yeah, Liz Martin shared the information that a lot of Collins productions can be found on Amazon Prime in the US, which I believe was in reaction to our Colin episode and where you could possibly watch Collins things. So in the US, a lot of them are on Amazon Prime. There you go. There you go. And that is the end of the talkbacks. That was... I think longer than I expected, but there we go. We all, we always seem to have stuff to talk about. So um, as always, guys, uh, if you would like us to react to one of your comments, then please leave a comment on our website. It's melissa.parakaproductions.com or just type Melissa into Google. We've mentioned this on the podcast before, but we can't guarantee that we'll react to every single comment. So if we've covered it before extensively or if we just don't feel like there's anything to add, we will gloss over and just re reply to you on the website unless you desperately want us to re reply and then just say, and of course we'll then reply, but any comments that we re respond to on the podcast have to go through the website. If you're not too bothered about us responding here on air and you just want to interact with us, then you've got loads of channels to do it on. You can tweet us at Melissa. So either 
at us or direct message us. Uh, we'll, we'll speak to you on there. We have a Tumblr, which is Melissan, and you can send us a direct message or an ask or reblog the episode post, and we'll talk to you via that platform. You can uh, talk to us on Discord, the link to which is going to be on our Tumblr. So we have like a whole dedicated channel for episode reactions, and we talk to people on there all the time. So that's a really nice place for us to get to know you guys. Uh, or you can send us an email, melissan.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you. It's that dot podcast, I think, that I always forget. I like, okay, I will learn it one day, I promise. <laughs> maybe. Um, <laughs> maybe. Uh, so you have lots of places to get in touch with us. Like I said, we'll respond to all of your comments, just not all of them will necessarily be on the podcast. But go comment. Let us know what you think. Cool. And now moving into the episode proper where we're here to talk about modern AU. Very exciting stuff. And because Isaac has been on the podcast before, we don't need to ask him how he got into the fandom because we already know. So there we go. We can move straight ahead into defining <laughs> modern AU. Because I can see Momo's notes and I already know I'm going to disagree with her. <laughs> so I'm just going to let her say her piece. And then I'll say what I think. Go ahead. <laughs> oh God, can I can I just leave and take a walk instead of having this conversation? It's probably easier. <laughs> take a walk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what I think defines modern AU is that a it is set in modern times. What is modern times? Yeah, exactly. What is modern times? <laughs> so does historical fic count? Is anything set before the 20th century a modern AU or not? What about anything before the 1990s or before any of us were born? That's that's already the question. What is a modern AU when your canon is the Middle Ages? <laughs> I mean, I... For me, when I, if I was going to define it, I would say, because I know what you've got written down here. <laughs> um, I honestly think that modern would encompass anything from the 21st century, like into our time. So if you wanted to do something that say, you know, God forbid, was about like 9-11 or something like that, which obviously happened before Merlin aired. But that's still in our very recent memory. It's still in this millennium. It's still in this century. It's not that long ago. I probably wouldn't go into the 90s just because I think that there are so many recognizable things that we now consider to be like hashtag like retro that happened in the 90s that I think that for me would be a bit too far back. But anything that happened in this century forward... But most people probably aren't writing modern AU unless they're writing it about a specific event like like 9-11. They're probably writing it in a general present. So when they wrote it, when the show was airing, that would have been 2008 onwards. And now it will be whatever our current present is. So obviously the present is changing eternally in terms of like the date as it goes forward in time. But the start date for me, I don't think I could consider something... 1990s and older to be modern AU I probably would call it like a fic set in the 1990s like if I was going to tag it I'd probably be like 90s fic or something like that to let the audience let the reader know that it's like not technically set in 
our era like as we have known it recently but it's a but it's a tricky one because obviously there are people that are older who probably very much remember the 1990s and that wouldn't be a problem for them you know but um I don't know what would you say then Momo because I know what you've got written here but maybe you've changed your mind I don't know (laughs) well I can see your point of view I would say that for me a fix set in the 90s would still count as modern AU, but that's because I grew up in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, true. So that is, like, within my lifetime. If something were set in the 80s, I'd already probably not call it modern AU. Yeah. I don't know what I'd call it. I wouldn't call it historical fiction, obviously. But I wouldn't call it a modern AU either. I think technology plays a big part in this because, for example, because if you wrote a fic in the 90s and you didn't like and you just tagged it as modern AU, then you have to explain why people aren't using smart technology. You have to explain why people don't have touch screens. You have to like and then it and then it becomes apparent. Oh, this is set in this specific year. It's it's the same for. But that's similar already for fic set in the early 2000s i mean we did sort of have smart technology 10 years ago but nowhere on the level that we have like smartphones weren't a thing yet we all had our nokia bricks or whatever <laughs> we had in 2008 well yeah. i i'm trying to remember in 2008 i actually had a motorola razor yeah. phone <laughs> we all did so that was you know a flip phone a proper flip phone <laughs> Man, I miss it. But definitely not smart technology. That came a couple of years. Like, that started in, like, 2009, 10-ish. Yeah. That we started having smartphones, like, accessible smartphones for people who didn't, who weren't super rich. So, it's, yeah. But I agree that technology plays a big part in it. But also just, like, politics and Mm -hmm. mindsets Mm -hmm. also play a big part for me. The thing is, I was, I'm not going to do it because we talked about high school fics before, but this was a, a high school fic I was going to wreck that was set in 1994. Like, that's the first thing it says in the summary, like, in the year 1994. Um, but that's more because, like, it's set in a high school and how much has the school system changed in, like, the past 25 years, you know? So, mm-hmm. like, I would still consider that to be modern AU because, mm-hmm. like, compared to like decades prior to that like not much has changed i think yeah i think it depends how much attention you draw to it because for example uh a film like captain marvel which is set in the 90s i think definitely plays on the fact that it's set in the 90s it wants you to pay attention to it like it makes us laugh because we remember all of these different things um if they didn't pay as much attention to it, it probably wouldn't be as recognizable. You could probably just be like, oh, this is just... And then you might be like, oh, yeah, this is like also set in the 90s. However, um, for example, there's a book that I really, really love, which I talk about all the time, which is Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. And that fic is actually set in the 80s. And what's really funny about it... Uh, sorry, fic, book, book. It's set in the 80s. <laughs> that book is set in the 80s. And what's really interesting about it is even though... I am aware that it is. I often forget about it as I'm reading it because the the book is just so not interested in kind of what's happening too much around you. Um, like 
obviously the characters aren't using any kind of technology and actually the two main characters write letters to one another. So maybe that would be a little odd, but not completely out there. And so I think um, you can forget about the time period it's set in and you, and it feels timeless. So I think if something feels timeless, you can probably get away with just having it. Yeah, this is a modern AU. But like, so for example, The Student Prince was written in the early days of the fandom, like in the first couple of years. But I, I mean, apart from a couple of social justice kind of missteps that maybe like these things wouldn't really be that acceptable now, I can still read that now and it feels pretty timeless. Like it doesn't feel like it was written yeah. like 10 plus years ago because it's about characters and people don't really change. Like people were the same now as they were a thousand years ago and will be in a thousand years. We just have different things in the world. So I think if you're not, like basing your entire like premise on the time period it's set i think you can probably get away with it obviously there are things that you need to be aware of that if you go yeah say you go back to the 50s then you're going to have a problem because society was very different even if you're writing slash for example that would be very different then and you can't really do the same thing as you would if you're writing about 2008 so that is something you have to keep in mind yeah but, but like then what about merlin olympics because that was, that's mostly set in uh, 2012. Mm -hmm. And I know you said that, like, everything in the 21st century is, can be considered modern AU. But, like, if you read something that was written for Merlin Olympics in, like, 2030, for example, which mm. isn't that far off, like, would that still be considered a modern setting? Yeah. I have, I have thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, because in my notes, I wrote down that things that are set in the far future wouldn't count because that ventures into science fiction mm -hmm. territory so i would say that anything that's like as far as maybe a lifetime ahead of now like let's say up to 2100 mm -hmm. oh actually no 2100 is too far up to i don't know 2050 Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Would count still as modern EU because you can, from today's point of view, you can more or less reasonably uh, project what is going to happen to the world. Mm -hmm. But the further away you go in the future, the more difficult it becomes to predict what it's going to be like. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, time doesn't stand still. Like we discussed this now. Someone might listen to this podcast in three or four or five years or even later. Mm. And then, of course, things will have already changed. Yeah. And what is a lifetime from now might be, let's say, 2050. But yeah. in five or ten years, a lifetime from then will be 2060 or 2070. So it's really... Modern EU is a very fussy genre where you can't really, like, the edges of it are hard to define. And it's basically very subjective to what you consider to be modern times. Just as mm -hmm. we now realized, Rox doesn't consider anything before 2000 a modern AU. You'd tag it differently. I would say anything from the 1990s up to 2030 or 40 mm -hmm. maybe yeah. can be a modern AU, but only if the modern AU like starts somewhere between 1990 and now. If the modern AU starts in 2050, I don't consider it a modern AU. I already consider it future fic or sci-fi mm -hmm. because it will start in 2050 and then yeah. 
that's that's already different. But if it starts now and then moves into 2050 through the course of the fic because the characters grow older or whatever the reason is, that's modern AU to me. So it depends also on the contents of the story. It's just very, very wobbly and not really easy to define, I think. For me, the issue, like like um, Rox mentioned, the thing about um, timelessness, for me the issue becomes when you um, set it in a year. Like when you explicitly mention that it is set in a year, you already historicize your own writing. Like even right now, if I if I were to write it right now and I would mention it that it was set in 2019, yeah. then right now it would be counted as a like modern setting, of course. But you already, with mentioning that it's set in 2019, you already attach baggage to it, so you already historicize what you're currently writing. Exactly, I think yeah. that's a really good point, actually. And I think, yeah, like I said, it for me, it's just all about making like. If it feels familiar, and obviously, again, I know that 2008 is different to now. It's been 11 years, but when I read thick that was written in season one and two, it doesn't feel like, you know, 10 years ago, even though it was, it just feels like modern AU. So I think, like you said, Isaac, as long as you're not beating people over the head with what year you're writing your thick in. And I think if you are purposefully writing thick, that is uh, like considerably older than the time period you're writing in there's a reason you're doing it like it's probably part of the story because if you just want to write a story about characters and you don't really care then you're not really gonna set it in a time period that's not your own why would you do that there's absolutely no point but if you are setting it in a particular time then you're doing it for a reason and then that becomes a part of the story so I think that also can mess with the definition of you know yes okay it's modern au but it's modern au set in x year like for example for you momo like the 90s yes that is familiar for you but it's still very different from the way that we live now the fashion language the music it's very different so tagging i think is where we would have a problem with that like you could probably tag it as modern au but then what would you tag it with after that because it's not going to be as familiar as something that's written today so yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah. But then yeah, like like I said, familiarity changes over time. I can post something now that is familiar to us now. I'm I'm just flashing back to stories like Pairing Pendragon Merlin, for example. I I don't have the information when Pairing Pendragon Merlin was written and published, but I'm saying it's probably somewhere around Somewhere between 2008 and 2010, maybe? No, I think it was like 20 it later? 2011, I'd say. Tw- yeah, would be more... Okay, okay, 2011, 2011 also works. Well, it was when Star's Camelot was released. I don't know when that was, but it was when Star's Camelot had its first season, wasn't it? So right, that... right. So let's say Pairing for Dragon Merlin, which was released somewhere in 2011 or maybe 2012, which heavily, heavily references... Life journal community life. (laughs) And that was familiar at the time. It was a modern AU. I mean, it is a modern AU. And it drew on something that was familiar at the time that pretty much every person in fandom knew at the time. And yet, if people who have, like, 
<laughs> Sorry, Isaac, you're going to be my scapegoat now. But like, if someone like Isaac, who is much younger, who wasn't really in fandom when Life Journal fandom was a thing, right? Yeah. Then and they read this, then this would, I mean, probably not seem super alien to them, but still the format would be would be unfamiliar at the very least, and that would already date the story as well and make it quote unquote more historical than yeah, that's true. other modern AUs that don't reference these things or that are written now. Because now someone yeah. would like if someone were to write a fic exactly like pairing Pendragon Merlin, just maybe with a different show other than Cyrus Camelot, just with a different a different Merlin adaptation, could be a movie or whatever, and they were to make it now, they would reference Tumblr posts yeah. rather than <laughs> rather than doing it on Life Journal community, or they would set it on Twitter. You know, it's just it has already changed, and that's only been seven years. That's true, but yeah, that one is specifically very like that is very technological. Like yeah, but yeah, but a lot true. of modern, but I feel like a lot of modern AUs use that technology. Like we have a lot of texting in fix now. We have Skype conversations in fix now. We have these sort of social media formats in fix now. It just becomes more and more of a thing. Because that's the new version of epistolary fix. That's why modern AU is such a hard-to-grasp genre, because it's always a modern AU when you publish it and it's set in the time that you are, or in the time span that you are in. But five or ten years from now, it could already not be a modern AU, just because what you, what was modern ten years ago is not modern now. But I think yeah. stuff that's published... Like, so, for example, like Pairing Pendragon Merlin, we've said we absolutely still consider that a modern AU, but we acknowledge that things have changed. If someone wrote a fic now about LiveJournal, I would think that that seemed a little bit, like, weird, and I would still consider it a modern AU, but I would probably tag it with, like, set in the early 2000s, like, whatever, because there is a different spin on it. I think if you read something knowing it was written in, in a particular year, you approach it more with a knowledge of, I know things are going to be a bit different in this. So I, it's sort of yeah. like with the canon conversation we had, where if you're reading a fic that's written in season one, you, like, you know that you're not going to meet our version of Gwen, our version of Percival. Like, you already expect those things going in, but we still consider it part of the canon like yeah. saga of fix so i think yeah. if someone's purposefully writing a, a fic that's set before the year that they're writing it in that's a purposeful choice but if i'm reading the student prints i still am aware that when it was written it was modern au it's still modern au now because it's still familiar enough but i'm aware that like you know they didn't have you know the latest iphone they didn't have this they didn't have that so i think maybe that's that's that yeah. that's also important like even in 50 yeah. years if someone reads it well I don't think the Merlin fan is going to be going in 50 years, personally. <laughs> Maybe it will. I don't know. But in the in the next 10 years or something, even if someone reads a fic that was written when Merlin came out, I still think they probably will accept it as modern AU, even if their lives and the stuff they have is vastly different. Because I don't think that they rely so much on the period that it takes you out of the story completely. Apart from, yeah. yeah, I will I will admit that the live journal stuff in Pairing Pendragon Merlin would probably be weird to people reading it now. It's not weird to me because I still do remember live journal, even though oh, I yeah, same. Did, 
don't use it and never did but i but i am familiar with the idea of friend lists and you know all this kind of stuff so it's not as straight i mean isaac that actually it's a good point maybe we should ask you <laughs> like when you read i mean have you read pairing Patrick and merlin yeah, I, I mean, I was I was about to mention because this is just a thing I do when I write uh, modern AU's. It's um, I never ever mention social media, and I never mention the year. Not even when I talk about like chat logs and stuff. Um, maybe I'll show like the time a.m. p.m. But but not the years. But it's cause, just because when I read, um, for example, things that mention Life Journal or even things that mention Tumblr or. You have that one fic where they're both authors and they feud over Twitter. Like, it has Twitter, uh, like, actual tweets in the fic itself, but because Twitter's layout has changed, it already looks old. So, it's just a personal thing that I do. I never mention social media because I am aware that it changes quickly, but things like DMing or texting or instant messaging aren't going anywhere in the foreseeable future. So, uh... Yeah, I personally never mention social media because I know that it like how quickly it changes. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, that's really. So like I, like I said, that's why I only mention texting basically because there there's no way I can see that like privately messaging someone will ever disappear. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good idea, though. Yeah, yeah just trying to, point. Yeah, just, just trying to keep it timeless as possible, I think, is... Yeah. Another thing I've noticed is sometimes fix, even if they don't much use references to social media platforms, they will date themselves by what other TV shows or books are mentioned in the story. Yeah. There, was a t- there was a period in, you know, 2011-ish and before when... There was a lot of intersection between literally any fandom and Sherlock. So you have a lot, (laughs) a lot of references, cross-references to other fandoms. Or in Merlin Fick, you will have references to Sherlock fandom or other... I think Pairing Pendragon Merlin even has Sherlock references, doesn't it? Doesn't doesn't Arthur talk about Merlin like a baby... Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch, maybe Benedict Cumberbatch, which is yeah. so true. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So that's that's another way how fix date themselves is just by what fandoms were popular at the time, yeah. and then they will reference those. And honestly, that that makes me cringe more than referencing old social media platforms because I'm just like, no. Yeah, don't. I did that only once. And I yeah. right like I hate that I did that, and yeah. I I hate the one shot that's in. I don't want to mention it ever again. It's just I'm I I know I was trying to appeal to like a broader range of people, but I was like, like looking back on it, I'm like, oh no, bro. It is basically the the equivalent of being like, look what I like, look what I like, look how yeah. cool I am. I like it's this. Cool. I reference this. I'm so cool. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure. Sh- I I can't remember. I'm pretty sure I've done it too in, in the past. And I was on the verge of doing it again in something I was writing at the end of last year. And then I realized, hang on. <laughs> this is the exact thing I hate. And just because I would understand a reference doesn't mean anybody else would understand the reference. So let's just not do this. <laughs> I think if it's natural, it's fine. Like, in Pairing Pendragon Merlin, even though it dates it, like... 
They're at a fan convention. Colin looks a little like Benedict Cumberbatch. So, of course, someone at a fan convention is going to walk up to him and say, hey, you look like a baby Benedict Cumberbatch. So I feel like, for me, it yeah, doesn't bother the, me there, like, personally. The only issue for me was there was Arthur who made that reference. If it had been someone else... I mean, I feel like it's fine, though, like, in that kind of setting. Like, they're at a fan convention. Like, I don't know. For me, it, it doesn't bother me there. I think if it was, like, kind of put into a conversation that it had no place to be in... It would be, like, really awkward. I can't think yeah. of another example like it, to be honest with you, so I'm not going to try. I mean, to be fair, Sherlock is still, like, talked about, just not as much. So I guess it's not so bad. But, yeah, something maybe that has a relatively... Like, I would never reference, like, the Umbrella Academy in a fic because I don't know what's going to happen with that show. So that would be a little risky. Yeah. I mean, things like... Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter probably are also safe for similar reasons. But, yeah. So, I have another point on modern AUs that we haven't discussed yet. And I don't expect to be discussing this for a long time. I just wanted to also mention it. So, obviously, a lot of the fics that we discussed in our last fic episode, which was Reincarnation and Author Returns fic, intersects with modern AUs, because a lot of these reincarnation fakes or author return fakes are set in our modern world. So I feel like if it, if there were a Venn diagram of modern AU and reincarnation slash returns fake, they would intersect at some point, but not completely overlap. I was just th- scrolling through my fake library and I came across a fake that was like pretty explicitly both so basically it's like um in canon arthur goes into like a magical coma and his modern au counterpart also goes into a coma and they sort of like switch places so we have uh a reincarnated everyone but then canon era arthur going to the mother modern times so that's both reincarnation and like modern setting yeah yeah I think, like, obviously based on just the logic of the characters being in the modern day, obviously Arthur Returns and Reincarnation are modern AU. But in terms of a, of a Venn diagram, I would give them very little overlap just by the sense that they are set in the modern time. But if I were, like, f- for me, Arthur Returns fic is Arthur Returns fic first, modern AU second. Because if I read a modern AU, I want to read a, a scenario, or I'm expecting to read a scenario in which these characters are called Merlin, Arthur, Gwen and Morgana, but they have no memories or no, like, the the canon era never happened. They're just characters in the modern setting. That's that's what I expect and that's what I want out, out of a modern AU. If I want them to be the same characters, then I'll read a reincarnation or, or an Arthur Returns. And to me, they are quite different things. They just are set in the same era. Yeah. And I, I mean, if you have, like, um, that, that fic by Newbreed that we couldn't stop talking about in the reincarnation episode, it's, like, it's set in modern times, but it's centered around the fact that they're reincarnated and Arthur and Merlin can't stay, stay away from each other because of it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I would classify that more as reincarnation than as, like, modern AU. Yeah. And like I said in the actual episode as well, Whenever I talk about or wreck the student prince, I will wreck it first as a royal AU, second as a modern AU, and only then would I consider it a reincarnation fic, because even though it's there, 
the reincarnation aspect is so negligible and so completely not important to what actually happened in the story. And if you took it out and didn't mention that they were reincarnated, the events would take place almost exactly as they do in the fic. So like that would be the last thing I would think of it as would be a reincarnation fic. And I think of it, oh, this is a royal AU. This is a modern AU. So I think it also depends on how much of it is in the story. Obviously, like the cycle of the year we begin again is very much an Arthur Returns fic first and it's set in the modern era. I think it depends on what weight you give certain parts of the story, to be honest. Yeah, agreed. It's kind of to like sort of woo transition in the in the tropes. It's why there are so many um CEO personal assistant fics, because it puts them in the yeah. same um like sort of dynamic but yeah. more in a modern setting. So like some things can be different, but it's still like the Arthur um is like in hierarchies above Merlin and Merlin has to do what he says. So it's sort of like the same thing but not entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's also why we have a lot of modern royalty AUs more than in maybe other fandoms where the canon isn't set in the Middle Ages with a royalty plot line. Yeah. But we have comparatively many royal modern royalty fics in this fandom because that has the same dynamic as canon as canon fics. And thank you for this beautiful transition, Isaac, <laughs> into our next segment where we discuss some of the common tropes. So yeah, let's let's talk about some of them. You already mentioned CEO PA which is, I feel like, a very specific trope in this fandom, specifically for the reason that Isaac mentioned, that it's, you know, if you have, like, it's not necessarily always a CEO and a PA, but, like, boss and employee sort of dynamic in which Arthur is usually the boss, Merlin is usually the employee. (laughs) And then it's, that's a very similar dynamic to what we have in in canon, where Arthur is the prince and Merlin is his servant, except that it's a little bit different because Merlin, in the modern era, as an employee, has more rights <laughs> than a manservant in the Middle Ages had. Tell the Merlin from two weeks' notice that. <laughs> because according to Arthur, he's just supposed to be at his beck and call 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> Who ever heard of workers' rights, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, let's have some some more examples for this. Rox already mentioned two weeks notice. Isaac, what examples can you think of? Well, a modern man manservant, if we're going to be like very obvious. Yes, and I can also think of all I want for Christmas is you. I love that one. And I mean, they're also friends in that one. It's not just or they well. I don't think they're friends, friends, but they're acquaintances. Not, not friends. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. I mean, there are things about like, I mean, it's from Arthur's point of view, and he's been in love with Merlin for a while, and it's like he does know Merlin a little bit, but not, not super well. Like, I feel like it's. They're, yeah. they're still getting to know each other in that story, finding out things about each other in that story. So they're not, they're not friends, friends. They're just 
work friends, you know? Yeah. I, I'm just scrolling through your, uh, your list here, Momo, and forgive me if, if you've mentioned it somewhere here, but I'm just doing it real quick. Would you, so, would you in that case mention something like student teacher relationship in this kind of, like, because I know you've got a social standing gap bit, and I don't know if that would necessarily work for more social standing no, or more like no, that's... work, because that's something I don't... that we see well, occasionally. Teacher student can also have Merlin as the teacher. That's true. Yeah, that's true. exactly. Exactly, especially with the one you're thinking of. Ralph. I'm not thinking of anything. I don't know what you're. Of talking course you about. are. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think, I don't think student-teacher relationship fits into the CEOPA category at all because the CEOPA category, while there is very occasionally a story in which Merlin is the boss and Arthur is his employee, that is incredibly rare. And it's very much the author is in a position of power and Merlin is uh, his uh, subordinate. It's uh, teacher-student stories often vary on who's the teacher and who's the student. Yeah, that's true, that's true. I guess I just kind of like, it just it came to me that I was like, oh, hang on, that's like another balance of power. Like, where, But yeah, of course yeah. you're right, because there is a pretty even spread of like, where, yeah, like who is who is who, so that wouldn't really work the same way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, the thing I mentioned on Discord, which is um, questioning sexuality, which is very much a modern setting thing. Like, there are there are a few canon fix that deal with it, but it's mostly uh, confined to modern EUs, because you have um, fix like a Pride and Support by Super Calvin, which deals with, um, like, Arthur uh, and Merlin working for an LGBTQ organization. And you have the letter Q by her beautifully, which has to do with um, yeah Merlin being like a queer activist and Arthur finding out that he actually really likes Merlin. And you have your fair share of fix, which I really love, which deal with um, mostly Arthur thinking he's straight, but then discovering that he's actually not and having like, a crisis. So I would consider that like a modern setting trope. Oh, for sure. I read this fic once, and for the life of me, I will never remember the name, and it makes me really sad, because it was so good. Like, maybe like maybe I wouldn't think it was as good now, but at the time, I read it a bunch of times, and it was, they were friends, like, best friends, and Merlin realizes that he's gay, and comes out to Arthur, and he's like, okay, cool, and he's like, yeah, but this is gonna ruin our friendship, and Arthur's like, why? Does this mean you only want to hang out with other gay dudes? <laughs> And he's like, no, because like I'm I'm in love with you. And he's like, oh, okay, right. And then Merlin's kind of like, I think I just need like some time and stuff. So they kind of don't speak to each other for like for a little bit, like uh, like uh, for a week or something. And then Arthur comes by and he's like, okay, well this is stupid because like I've lost you as my friend and I don't want to lose you as my friend. So we're we're gonna hang out anyway. Like I don't care what you have to say. And then basically it kind of turns into. Arthur being like, hmm, this is making Merlin really sad. Maybe maybe we can just make out or something, and then that will make him feel better. So they do, and he's like, oh, this isn't that different from, from doing it with a girl. And then like, it kind of just progresses and progresses and progresses until like they end up doing more and more. And then he realizes, oh, no, I'm actually in love with Merlin. <laughs> but like, it starts with him being like, oh, like... I miss my friend. I'm just going to do things with my friend. And then it's just sort of like, oh, you're so stupid. Like, you're obviously also in love with him too. 
And it was such a cute fic, and I do not remember what the name is, but um, if anyone like recognizes it, please do send it to me. I think I read it on FFNet, but it could be on Archive of Our Own, I don't know. So let me just quickly get back to the other one that we mentioned, which was Modern Royalty. Woohoo! Yes. In which Arthur is a prince or the king in modern times, and uh, Merlin is sometimes an employee, but usually I feel like most of the time Merlin is just Merlin. <laughs> Mer- just someone completely separate from the royal household, and he just ends up meeting Prince or King Arthur by accident. Yeah. Yeah. Which honestly is a little bit like it is in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um examples go. DLP. Oh. I mean, really <laughs> I love yes. this uh series so much. And I honestly I honestly do love the student prints, like don't get me wrong, but that, and it's longer and it's more in depth and everything and they do have more of like a UST thing going on in that like I like I get that but there's something about DRP that's so romantic like I can't I don't know what it is I think I love the fact that we actually see the fallout and, and like the media frenzy like when they get found out I love that we get to see their life after the fact and all of those things I love that whereas in the student prints they they're kind of allowed to be normal people like Arthur has like a deal with the press where they're not really allowed to bother him and stuff that's not the case in DRP like they're older like they're adults Arthur very much has to deal with being in the public eye all the time and there's a gorgeous scene where like Merlin makes them both invisible and they're walking around the park and Arthur gets to see what real life looks like for the first time because normally people are staring at him and like acting differently and this fic man it makes me want to re-listen to it right now <laughs> because it's right. so amazing. Rox, what does DRP stand for? Oh, um, I'm sorry. Drastically <laughs> Redefining Protocol. Oh, all right. All right. Yeah, sorry. I was like, that sounds like something I read, but I don't know what DRP <laughs> sorry. <is." laughs> sorry. Drastically Redefining Protocol. Uh, the entire series is amazing. The first one is awesome, but the rest of it is just equally as great. Gwen is, is awesome in this fic. She's really kooky, just like I like her she's like a very early Gwen kind of thing and it's very much yeah just like like even their meeting is just so fantastic and so in character like Merlin having no idea who Arthur is and then being locked in a dark closet and like chain smoking and he's just being like oh the prince is such an idiot and this and this and Arthur like really is he now (laughs) it's just so great it's they they need to make a movie out of this fic is what I'm saying (laughs) I love it that much so yeah, DRP is a good Royal AU. Um, I don't think I've read any others, though, apart from DRP and Student Prince, but I'm sure you'll tell me some more in a minute, Momo. Have you not listened to Missed Connections? Glory, glory, hallelujah. No, who... Oh, that was so good. Who read it? Um, it was read by Mary. It's written by True the Fierce, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And it's... I, I talked about this at Coinload, I think. It's a story in which... Merlin is a writer and he goes to a club and there he makes use of the glory hole in the man's bathroom and he gets his cock sucked so well that it breaks him out of his writer's blog and he goes into a writing frenzy for like a fortnight and 
I don't know how it happens, but then he ends up meeting Arthur, who is the prince, and they become friends, but Merlin keeps on thinking about how he wants to get his cock sucked by the stranger again, and he goes back to the glory hole, and uh, the things happen again, and of course, at the end, spoiler, at the end, it turns out that the amazing cocksucker was Arthur all along. Yeah, So of course it was. <laughs> Yeah, there's also magic in this story. Merlin actually has magic, if I remember correctly, in this story. And yeah, so there you go. That's that's one. I, I was just going to mention London Skyline by um, Cal- Caledonia? Caledonia? Something like that, anyway. Which is just, it's uh, 160k, and it just goes through, like, the meeting and their entire, like, relationship developing... And at some point, Merlin goes back to Scotland, and Arthur follows him because he's like, "No, please come back to me." And it's it's just it's just a very good thing. That sounds like something I would really like. I need to I need to read that. I've yeah. always wanted to either write or read, and I think I actually started writing it years ago and just abandoned it like almost straight away. But I wanted to read a Princess Diaries two inspired royal thick like where they're on opposing bloodlines and like the kind of thing that Anne Hathaway and Chris Pine have in that movie because that like I loved that like it's a stupid film and it's like not really very good but excuse me that (laughs) film is amazing I will hear nothing against it it's a great watch but it's utter trash (laughs) like it's a really amazing watch and I watch it on a regular basis my mom loves it too like we watch it together she loves it more than the first one which I I actually like it more than the first one because I like again the whole royalty kind of aspect of it and their whole shipping dynamic like in this movie is something I'm very much there for so I love them in that movie and putting Merlin Arthur in those spaces with maybe just a slightly less ridiculous plot. I would, re- uh, I need that fix. So if anyone's feeling thirsty for a Royal AU, please write it. Please, please. <laughs> and then Rox will never read it for another five years because she doesn't have time to read anything, even when she tries to make time. I have one more example in this category, and it's not in this land alone, which there's also part fig of. And in this one, Arthur is already king. Uther has already died off screen before the story starts. And Merlin has an internship at Buckingham Palace. And that's when he runs into Arthur and fails to address him correctly and also speak to him correctly in any way. (laughs) And I'm trying to remember. He, He talks to him something like, you're not supposed to be in... Because he's supposed to clean some room. And Arthur went to this room to have some peace and quiet. Wow. And then Merlin goes into this room and he's supposed to clean it. And he's like, you're not supposed to be in here. And then Arthur's like, and you're not supposed to address me unless I address you first. Oh my God. <laughs> Literally, my shipping heart is beating. <laughs> I need to read this book. I've never yeah. read it. Is it Podfic as well, did you say? Yeah, it's it's Podfic by, I think, Crinkly Solution. Well, uh, I was just going to mention another fic and I can't remember the title for the life of me, but I just wanted to mention the dynamic. Basically, it's Morgana is sort of like uh, like you know, a bit troubled and stuff, and then she hooks up when she's a princess or like a duchess or something. She hooks up with an anti-monarchy activist, which ends up being Merlin, and uh, like Ooh. they just hook up once and they become real good friends. And then Arthur, Uther sends Arthur over to clear up Morgana's mess and just basically tell Merlin to fuck off. 
And then he sort of starts getting involved with Merlin himself. So I just had <laughs> to mention that, but I can't remember the title. That sounds awesome. Well, you know, find it on Merlin Find I'm just yeah, actually in love with any of these kind of dynamics where Arthur, I mean, I don't tend to see many like where I know you've got a thing here, Momo, like social standing of like kind of other sort of nobility or but I don't really tend to see that much in modern AU but like any any situation in which Arthur is like of a higher class or superior in any way and like he meets Merlin and Merlin either doesn't know who he is or does know who he is and just treats him exactly the same like I'm thinking specifically of student prince where he's like if you move any of my stuff I'll have you like sued or killed or whatever he says and Merlin is just like well, what if you touch my stuff and Arthur is just so shocked he's like if I touch your stuff and like that kind of interaction when Merlin just treats him like everyone else I am so here for it and Arthur just being like literally like he's in the show you can't address me like that and Merlin's <laughs> like I just did <laughs> like what are you gonna do about it and I'm just like be together forever <laughs> I still 10 years later the love has not died <laughs> I love them so much speaking of the social standing gap trope it's like this is where the like you have modern royalty where it's very clear and then you have the copa trope where it's also very clear but then there's other settings in which there's a whole author is of higher social standing than merlin thing that's uh that's presented in these stories so author might be just rich or he's from a high-ranking family like politics or business or even nobility. I mean, I think in Modern Manservant, he is technically nobility. And at the end, again, sorry, spoiler, at the end, like, the majority of the royal family dies on a cruise ship, and now he's next in line for the throne, even though he was, like, I don't know, 150th in line originally. <laughs> Something like that. Which is a that very is cracky ridiculous. ending, to be honest. Yes. Yeah. And then, of course, in these settings, Merlin is usually working class or actually poor. And yeah. I can think of, for example, Counterpoint, which is... I Ha! This brings us to a very... Back to what is a modern AU, because Counterpoint is in set in a undisclosed time, but from the way it works, like... I get the feeling that it's closer to like maybe the 60s or the 50s in some in how some of the technology is set but then again they also have technology where they can like splice genes and create babies from spliced genes rather than actual pregnancies so it's it's very weird dystopian where they don't have like, smart technology necessarily, like, people don't have mobile phones, for example, they only have landlines. And I don't think they have television, they have radio, though. But then again, they also have this high advanced technology that can scan people's genes and figure out how to, like, what people are compatible in their genes and what what people would make a good next generation together. Yeah. So, and and, and this one, authors the son of the, um, I don't know, Chancellor? Is Uther the, the High Chancellor? I feel like that's probably his title. So whatever the equivalent of 
you know, head of government is. Uther, uh, Arthur is his son. And Merlin is just some random dude from a relatively poor outlying village. And he gets matched with Arthur. And then they get married. Like, it's an arranged marriage AU as well. <laughs> yeah, like, I was I was going to mention, like, a fic about different social standing, which is um, Mr. Jones Falls in Love by Ella Bain, which has Arthur as, like, a popular um, actor. And Merlin as the, um, the, like, how, what would you call it? The CEO of an orphanage. And uh, Arthur plays, like, a very popular character among the children. So he visits the orphanage, but he turns out to be an asshole and blah, blah, blah. But that's still, like, different social standing because Arthur is, like, an icon, basically. Yeah. I have another one that is similar, and I will have to check my bookmarks for what it is called I think it's called now that I'm famous they give me coffee but I have to check if that's the correct one I'm thinking of the one I'm thinking of is Arthur Morgana and Gwen are in a rock band together and Merlin works in a coffee shop and the rock band that Arthur is in like Arthur is super famous super popular super rich everyone wants to get into his pants and Merlin like I said is just a barista and Arthur comes into his coffee shop to buy a coffee and Merlin doesn't recognize him right away. Like, he recognizes him after the fact and he's like, oh shit, I think I just met Arthur Pendragon. And then, so the next time Arthur comes in, Merlin pretends not to know him and they start interacting more and then they even start becoming friends and Merlin keeps pretending does he do- oh. that he doesn't know that Arthur is famous and it just it confuses Arthur so much. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's, and uh, that's now that, that I'm rich they give me coffee by Lady Ragnall. Ragnall? Yeah, now that they rich they give me coffee. I was yeah, I t- got the title almost right. There you go. I reread that recently. I was like, yeah, this is actually funny. <laughs> um so I guess from that, I mean, you kind of, I guess, kind of segue us, like, with the friends thing. The next one we have is yeah. best friends, which is a trope just in general, like, in shipping that I love. Yeah. Like, best friends to lovers is, like, one of those things that it just, it's why Clayne are, like, so dear <laughs> to my heart because of that trope. So whenever it's in Merlin fandom, I'm also just like, oh, so much love. It's amazing. It's not that common, though, is it, in this fandom? Not huge. In Merlin, it is... I feel like in Merlin, it is super, super common. It's... I feel like it's a lot of, um, quote-unquote, enemies to friends to lovers. Right, Because they right. will not like each other at first sight, and then they will become best friends, and then they will become lovers. But I've also read a lot that are just them starting out as friends. I mean, obvious, very uh, popular and, and well-known fake coffee shop muffins. Oh. Every story is a love story. <gasps> you just meant you just mentioned mending wall yourself. Yes, so much love. <laughs> just like every time you say it, my heart is just like so happy with all of these fix. I just it's just so like charming and lovely and all I like is when they're just so nice to one another. And I've said it before, I've wrecked every story is a love story on this podcast before, but you guys, if you haven't yet read it, if you haven't yet listened to it, just please go because 
their dynamic here is just so pure and yet it still manages to keep that biting wit that they have that there isn't an ounce of malice in this relationship it's so great i think arthur is bi and merlin is gay i think that's how it is and even that it's like it's so well done like um even more like and it's so funny because like merlin doesn't realize that the author is by and morgana's like well have you told him and he's like i didn't think i had to tell him and she's like you idiot <laughs> like how is he supposed to know and he's like i don't know i'm like i thought that i told him that my dates were guys he's like no you didn't then <laughs> it's just so brilliant yeah. so yeah and coffee shop muffins i mean there's very little that we need to say about that fic that hasn't already been said because that fic is just yeah like the bar of which friends to lovers is set so so attached at the hip so very much married and yet they don't realize it and you know even the bro i don't think i've read the bromance ending in a really long time but even the bromance ending i think is super adorable because i am yeah. i'm very close to my friends and i know that momo you feel the same way and like i love the fact that their relationship with each other is just the most important thing in their lives and it's just yeah. that's just so beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful yeah the bromance ending is is of equal value to the romance ending and i love that it's just a really good and valid ending exactly yeah another good example is lord drake's oh, bequest yeah. which i origin which i also have for the social standing gap category but it fits in both because they are best friends arthur is pretty rich merlin is a struggling artist as per usual and they have to uh, get fake married so Arthur can get his inheritance and it's just they are already best friends and then they get married and realize hmm <laughs> maybe we should just stay married for real because we love it's each other it's so good it's so good and the podfic is awesome <laughs> as well like yes it doesn't <laughs> it's by Penny playing this and I love so good. Penny really good like <laughs> Oh my goodness, just ever I I think there's I can't remember if this is in this fic or in another one, but when they announced their engagement on Facebook, I think there's a bit of narration where it's like everyone that they mutually knew liked the post apart from Will, who said that the only reason he didn't was because there wasn't a dislike button. <laughs> I think that's from this fic. No, I don't is think it's not. From this story. I thought that it was I don't think Well, so. in any case, that's from a fic. it's so funny Uh, and it's our best boy very much like Will to actually not only not like something but purposefully tell Merlin why he didn't press the like button Um, I thought it was from this I'll have to I'll have to re-listen to the fic but this fic I haven't listened to it in a really long time and it's such a shame because it's absolutely lovely and even like Merlin being poor and trying to melt butter in his toaster or something like that I can't remember exactly what what he's trying to do at the beginning but um it's yeah it's absolutely yeah. adorable and yeah it's such a good fic i love me some arranged marriage or fake marriage as well so yeah. are we allowed to like talk about discontinued fix sure <laughs> yeah because i was going to talk about the prince by uh, mizu fei and p smithery which is basically just it's a series that starts off with merlin and arthur like they're best friends and then they discover uh, Morgana's gay porn, and they're like, well, let's watch it for fun, and then it's the entire series is basically just them experimenting with each other, because they're like, well, that, like that's funny, we're going to watch gay porn together, and then they're like, oh, maybe we should do this together. <laughs> but it just gets Excellent progressive boner. better or worse, depending on how you look at it. But 
Oh, God. But it is just continued, I have two more categories. The first one is modern canon. Oh, what I call modern canon. And it's basically canon plots rewritten for modern times or being recycled in modern AUs. Like, I mean, this is where the debate comes back to is this, is reincarnation fixed set in the modern times? Is it still a modern AU? So, Student Prince for me would be a modern canon. Yeah. For example, same with Modern Manservant is also, I think Modern Manservant references some canon things. Isaac, have you read it recently? Because it's been a while since yeah, I read Modern it. Modern Manservant does rec- um, like talk about some canon stuff. Yeah, same there you go. Same goes for Will Be a Dream by Sarah Geek 16, which is like. It is sort of reincarnation, and it mentions like Sophia trying to uh, well, yeah. screw with Arthur, basically. So yeah, there's yeah. all yeah, there's Arcane Asylum that does a similar thing where Sophia tries to drown Arthur because reasons. I forgot what her reasons were, but were but she does it. Because why not? And there's also I would also count Evil Overlord Inc. in this category, for example, because it has Cornelius Segan trying to come back to power. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it really depends on how much you want to stretch this <laughs> definition that I made up for this category that I made up. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, it's something that I noticed where canonical antagonists are used, especially the canonical antagonists are used in modern fics, which sadly often gives the plot twist away. So if Sophia is in a modern AU, I already consider this a spoiler because I know that 99% of the time, Sophia is going to be a bad person in the story. Same with Valiant. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to ask, like, with um, high school AU specifically, you have uh, a lot of times Merlin gets bullied for being like queer or for being like just strange in general, and a lot of the times that bully is valiant because like they just put him in the school and they're like he's the school bully. So uh, would that yeah. be modern canon as well? I mean, like I said, it depends on how much you want to stretch the definition. I I usually consider when like. Canon events are specifically referenced, like Sophia trying to draw an author, for example, or Cornelius Segan trying to gain back power. Yeah. It's. But honestly, it could work either way if the canon characteristics of. I mean, it's. In that sense, any, any modern AU where the characterization for any of the characters is done correctly would be a modern canon fix. So I don't think we can apply it that broadly. I would say, I would limit it to canon events are adapted for modern AU. But like I said, this is a made-up category (laughs) with a made-up definition by me. (laughs) If you want to use it and apply it in any way you want, Please do. <laughs> Another plot point that I would consider modern canon is like stories in which Uther, Uther was the one who made it happen so that magic is outlawed. Right. For example. Because that's something that happened in canon. And then if Uther is the one who also 
actively pursues the prosecution of magic users, then that would also be modern canonish. You know, because that's a major plot point in yeah. the canon of Merlin. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like a, a modern AU, um, like with Uther out, outlawing magic. Like you can just leave that behind yeah. and make him like a homophobe, for example. Yeah, although that's not really what I would count as modern canon like that is that is a different category that i that i don't have on this list but which i call evil overlord uther well i was was more saying that um like i would count uther outlawing magic as modern canon because it's not an essential part of like um, a modern au right i mean it depends what your what your story is about it might be an essential part so, like in, again, in spite of everything the stars, that is a major point, that magic is heavily, like, magic users are heavily oppressed, in part due to Uther campaigning against magic users and developing tech to oppress magic users more. Another completely made-up category, like the rest of these, <laughs> like most of these, <laughs> is something I call chronically ill Merlin and it's not something I've encountered in canon as much or at all I can't think of of a single one but it's a branch of the whole Merlin womp genre except like in canon the womp usually comes from Merlin being kidnapped or mistreated or tortured in some way (laughs) and then Arthur saves him and cares for him while in modern AU we can achieve the Merlin womp by giving Merlin a chronic condition, for example. So I can think of one where he has asthma, like crippling asthma, not just a little bit of asthma, like severe asthma. It's yeah. like grabbing my heart and taking my breath. Then there's one in which he has really sensitive skin and breaks out into rashes easily, which is called skin deep. And then there's one in which he is blind, which is called listen, learn. And and that one author has to read him his textbooks so Merlin can keep up with the with uh, university. Yeah. So I feel like I mean I've only given three examples and I'm I would have to go through my bookmarks to find more, but I still feel like this is something. At least I feel like I've seen this a lot, even though I can't think of more examples right now. But I feel I've seen this a lot, like Merlin being institutionalized. Yeah. For having magic or for. perceived illnesses of some kind or actual illnesses or chronic conditions adding on to something that was cut out of this episode because we we we're not into you know publicly shaming specific fakes or fake writers or any creators but adding on to something that was said off air is that with this category, it can go very wrong very quickly if the author isn't careful with how they portray Merlin as a chronically ill person or disabled person, then you know this could very quickly turn into like disability porn by which I mean no hang on, what's it called 
there's this there's this inspiration porn is I believe what it's called where like people are just like so inspired by how this person is able to handle their life despite their chronic illness or disability. So it's really difficult for this genre to like produce good stories and be respectful of people with these actual conditions and still portray them in a in a respectful manner. Which I think these three stories that I mentioned, I mean, I don't have severe asthma, I don't have uh, a skin condition and I'm not blind or disabled myself. So I'm coming at this from the point of view as an able-bodied person. But my impression was that these stories handle these things well. It's not like none of these things stop Merlin from living a life. And it's not inspiration porn where everyone is falling over themselves by being awed at how Merlin is able to live his life despite being, you know, hindered by his conditions. But yeah, that's something that can very easily happen with these kind of stories. I think you just need to, like, do your research because... I personally would never write a fic like that just because I don't know if I could ever do enough research. But if you don't know anything about what you're writing about, you probably don't have any business writing about it, to be quite honest with you. That's just my opinion. Yeah, Yeah. like, please get a sensitivity reader if you're going to talk about something like a chronic illness, because it's very easy for people who don't have something like that to just see it, like Momo said, from the perspective of, Oh, and like they can't really do anything, and their life is so hard. Well, like in reality, this is just like the status quo. Like if you're chronically ill, you're not constantly just being like, oh, it sucks that I'm like deaf or blind or autistic or or have a skin condition or whatever. Like that's not what life is like. Exactly. Yeah, I just thought of two more stories. Uh, one is uh, a series called Perfectly Imperfect. It was uh, written by Little Dampier. And it's about uh, able-bodied author and hard-of-hearing Merlin. I've only listened to one part of the of the stories. There are more parts in this, in this series that I haven't checked out yet. But So I can't really attest to how well it is written. But I was like, oh yeah, there's another one of these stories in which... Merlin has a disability. And the other one I thought of was actually disabled author rather than Merlin. So it only sort of <laughs> fits into this category. But in this one, Arthur is missing a leg and he's wearing a, a prosthetic leg. And it's... It was written by... Terry Sue, and I have forgotten the title, but it's good. I read it. It was a good story. And, like, Merlin is being insensitive towards Arthur because Arthur has, like, a disability. Like, he's parking in a disabled spot in a parking space, and Merlin is, like, super angry at Arthur for doing that. But Merlin, at that point in time, doesn't know yet that Arthur is disabled, and because Arthur's disability is relatively invisible if someone doesn't see his naked leg then people won't know necessarily that Arthur is disabled and so Merlin doesn't know and then he sees Arthur parking in 
the disabled parking spot and he's really angry with him and then there are other things where Merlin is like why do you do this you know you have no right to claim this space because you're not disabled and Arthur is well I am how dare (laughs) this this is a this is a really good story that teaches about you know invisible disabilities as well as just being you know context is important and talking to people is important and just because you can't see someone being disabled doesn't mean they aren't yeah so i was going to mention uh drown my sorrows in yours by la temperanza which is um like arthur is young and he's like the summer is basically that arthur is caught driving under the influence of alcohol and uther um says like he gets up pretty easy and uther's like well I, I will bill you out, basically, if you work for a charity for people with spinal cord injuries. So, and then he meets Merlin, who is in a wheelchair after having been hit by a drunk driver. So, mm. yeah, it's it's basically sort of a PSA about that, but it's also about, like, um, it, it, Arthur learns how to, like, be respectful towards people who are in a wheelchair and stuff like that. So, yeah. Do either of you want to say anything else about modern AUs? I mean, I was only going to say, like, it's really interesting how we've kind of, before, in the other fic categories, we kind of said, like, oh, like, why do we like this particular kind of fic? And with modern AU, like, it's really weird because I find this particular genre, I like, whether I like the fic or not, has, like, nothing to do with the actual modern AU because I feel like most fandoms out there, like, or most stories, like, kind of, in general, or films, are set in, like, our world, like, more often than not. So for me, like, a modern setting, like, doesn't feel as much of a genre as other kinds of fic. So it's much more based for me in modern day you on what the fic is and what the story is, whereas I will purposefully go looking for, like, a canon era fic. Like, weirdly enough, canon era feels more like a genre to me in Merlin than modern AU, even though it's set in that time period. Like, it's not set in modern AU, but for some reason, modern AU doesn't feel as much of a genre. It's just more like, oh, they're in modern day. And then it's like, okay, but is the fic actually good? Whereas with canon, I, I will read a canon fic to see what it's like, regardless of whether or not, like, um, I like the summary just because it's a canon era fic and I love canon era fics. So I feel like that's kind of the bigger difference for me with modern AU. It's less kind of, it's less of a signifier of whether I'll enjoy something as other ones. And obviously Arthur Returns is even more specific because, you know, it's, it's going to be probably full of emotion and it's based off of Arthur's death and all that kind of stuff. What do you feel? Cause I know Momo, you really like modern AU because of the dynamic change between them i know you've said it before but i feel like this is a good place to mention it yeah yeah i think that's one of the reasons why i like modern au so much the other is that it's easier for me to relate to these characters when they are in our world in our setting in our time and i like being able to relate to the characters in their everyday life basically, because that's why I read fic, because I want to read about characters that could be me, but aren't, (laughs) and who get a better ending than I do, (laughs) or get their shit together before I manage to get my shit together, so that's, that's part of the reason why I, why I like modern EUs. 
Also, I was just doing a quick AO3 check. And I just want to point out, out of the 34,000 Merlin works that are on AO3, only a little over 6,000 are attacked as modern AUs. Wow. Which means that there is about 28,000 that aren't modern AUs, which then means either people failed at tagging or these are all canon. I think it could fakes. be a bit more balanced than that. I think people just aren't tagging. Because yeah. even, I, it, it can't. I, I genuinely would be very surprised if that is accurate. Because even when you off the top of your I mean maybe it's just that very popular fix end up being modern AU maybe that's what it is because I feel like when I used to read a lot more fic and to be honest with you I can't give you examples because I only really started bookmarking things when I got into the Glee fandom so that's kind of my curse is I don't have any record of the fix I was reading back then but um I, I feel like I saw a, a, a fairly balanced amount especially on the kink meme, I saw mostly modern AU. Um, and maybe that's just kind of, and I remember looking for canon being like, I wish there was more canon. I want to read more canon. And it was a lot of it was modern AU. And I don't know if, yeah, maybe that's just because of the kind of st stuff I happen to read or if that was an actual representation. Obviously, well, we fight, you know. I wish Archive of Our Own had a system similar to what Merlin Finders does or similar finding communities on Live Journal. Uh, Glee has one like that where you have to tag for the bare minimum. Like, if you don't, they will delete your post or alter it for you. So ba based on what your query is, you have to tag for at least the pairing and some and like one other thing. I can't remember what it is. But I do think that if you're using something like this, there should be a system on this website where they say, no, you need to tag for the bare minimum. So the umbrella terms, and then you can go and tag as much as you want. But you know, yeah, this this is kind of kind of ridiculous, really, to just po like to have no tags on a fic. Um, I just think that there should be some kind of system in place in the algorithm that that makes you tag at least something. <laughs> yeah, ta I mean, I'm not saying tagging isn't hard. Obviously, tagging is is hard, and I'm just yeah, I just wish there were, I don't know, a requirement for. Yeah, that's what I'm saying for people to to use them but also it's probably a lot to to maintain honestly like the maintenance on that is just difficult and by just letting people tag however the fuck they want and then wrangling that's probably less work for the AO3 yeah. than trying to regulate how people tag before they post well speaking of tagging uh, I guess we can speaking do some wrecks right yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting segue. <laughs> I assume we all have Rex, yes? Yeah, well, I, like yes. I, I said, I do have more than five. Is that a problem? <laughs> Go for it. The first one is uh, Arthur and Real Boy by Anonymous on Kick Me Merlin, which is uh, Merlin works at a bookshop, and Arthur is like a sports person, and they like Arthur has to dump Leon's books there at Merlin's shop. And they like sort of meet and they're both like, they both think they're straight, but then they end up being in a relationship and it's just like a very cute fake. Then I had uh, Being With You by Ella Bain. This is PWP, just putting it out there. 
but it's um like they they meet and they end up sort of hooking up in a bathroom and Arthur is suddenly like I'm not gay I'm straight and then he leaves and then the fake just describes like the night he has to spend with Merlin in Merlin's apartment and then sort of like the day after and Arthur's like do I want a relationship with him or don't I and do I or don't I and it's very very much UST um and I had um Continua by Romer this fic has some dub and non-con in it, so be warned. But it's basically, they are, have a sex or die curse, and they've broken up because of this curse, and they have other partners, but because of the curse, they have to keep having sex with each other. So it's very angsty, um, but like it does have a happy ending. Uh, I would assume so, if they keep having sex with each other. Yeah. But it, but like, <laughs> a lot of the sex in it is very reluctant. Like they don't really want yeah. to, but they have to. So right. yeah, that's just a warning. Then I put um Flying Change by Magnolia eight two two. So Arthur has a son with Mythian, but Ar- uh, Mo- Mordred and Mordred and Mythian live in the U.S. And then Mordred comes to the, the U.K. for the summer, and Arthur hires a tutor for him, a magic tutor, which is Merlin. Uh, which is like nice parenting stuff and also a bit of angst. Um, then I had Little Wooden Boy in the Belly of Love by New Kate, which is uh, Arthur is trans in that fic and it's just it's it's beautiful and I love that. Um, and then I had Perfect by Scatterglory, which is uh, Arthur is engaged and he and Merlin hook up and then angst ensues. And then, last but not least, very much not least, anyone who knows me knows how much I love this fake, is There Are No Gays in Football by Malu underscore three. I it's thought a, you might wreck that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah. couldn't not. It's, uh, Arthur is a closeted football player and Merlin is a, like, what is he, a physiotherapist or something like that. And, um, yeah, and they fall in love and it's, beautiful and Arthur comes out and there's like a whole media thing and it's just gorgeous I still haven't I read haven't that. yeah either I'm I need to still, I think it's I'm still waiting for someone it's to the football it. thing that's putting me off like is it I just don't football. like football <laughs> yeah, well, like me neither but then every time I see my dad watching football I'm like oh I have to reread that fake because it's just so good <laughs> I think if he was a different kind of athlete I might feel differently a hockey player Mm. I don't know, <laughs> no, or like anything that's just more interesting, like an American football player or a basketball Excuse player, you. or no, 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 hockey I'm is more interesting than like a European football player. I like uh, hockey would be a decent alternative, but then it would be too closely related to like the hockey fandom, and I'm like, I'm not in the hockey fandom, so it would confuse me. Um, and it also couldn't, <laughs> no, but, but it also couldn't be a figure skater because that's too closely related to the Yuri fandom, and I'm in that. Fandom. So there's very little room for maneuver just, here. Rox, please just read it. Just uh. <laughs> I promise it's worth it. It's very long. Listen, I know how Rox will read this. I will just talk to Lunchy and ask her if she's gonna pick it, and then and then Rox will finally experience the story, <laughs> as will I. So Rox, do you want to give your Rex? Do you want me to do mine? Okay. So 
a few of these, like we've spoken about in the past, some we haven't spoken about that much, but I just wanted to wreck them because if I'm talking about like my favorites in this genre, like I have to mention all of these. So I'm sorry. <laughs> there may be some repetition here, but I won't talk about this one too much because we've just mentioned it, but DRP is probably my favorite fic in this fandom. I loved Revolutionary Joe's recording of it. I loved Lunchy's recording of it and the subsequent sequels. It is, for those of you, all two of you who don't know what it is, it's uh, Prince Arthur meets Merlin, who is a uh, medical student and basically all hell ensues. He's not, he's a doctor. Is he an actual doctor? Yeah, he's done being a student. He's a doctor. Is he like a junior doctor or something, though? Because I feel like he's Maybe. something like that. Yeah. He's definitely not a student anymore. I thought he was for some reason. Okay, he's like a newish doctor, I think, anyway. and um, A baby doctor. A baby do- Yeah, he, he he does deliver some babies in this in this fic, and it's very cute. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's not as long as The Student Prince, for those of you who haven't read it yet, but it's so worth it. It's like a completely different dynamic. They're older. They're not at university. It just feels different. Like I said, for me, it's very romantic. They oh, I just... I, I just can't say enough good things about this fic. And listen to the pod fix, both of them. They're both amazing. Um, the next one I have again that I'll just get out of the way because no one will be surprised to hear me say this is Pairing Pendragon Merlin, which is so interesting to me because I've said it before that these two don't really behave like the Merlin and Arthur from canon at all. Like they're just so much nicer than their canon counterparts. But it's just great. Again, for those of you, I'm sure everyone knows this, but uh, Pairing Pendragon Merlin was written by Anon and then Podfic by Lunchy, which in my opinion is just the best way to experience Podfic because it's so uh, multimedia, like there's a lot of stuff going on with social media and stuff like that in it. And uh, Merlin is a beta reader and Arthur is a BNF writer in the Stars Camelot fandom and they meet online and then later on meet at a fan convention and it's very romantic very like just perfect if you guys want some more of my thoughts on this fit go listen to our Merlin and Arthur part two episode where we talk about a couple of the scenes they're very much stupid boys in love absolutely adorable and it's one of the only fix that's like my favorites that's rated like jen or something ridiculous like that and i'm just like that never happens so <laughs> you know it's amazing if it's if it's that um the next one i have is two weeks notice we've mentioned it briefly here but the reason why i wanted to talk about it again was because this for me is one of those fix where it's so wonderful because i wouldn't quite consider it momo modern canon but it kind of is at the same time because like they meet with Merlin saving Arthur's life and pushing him out of the way of a of a bus like he pushes him out of the way of a of a knife in the in the show and saves his life he then subsequently has to become his PA because Uther's like well like you saved my son's life you must become a PA they have a lot of like mirroring scenes between canon and modern Arthur's phone being Excalibur and Merlin getting frustrated that he's constantly answering it and then throwing the phone into the lake um you have like a banquet where Merlin is wearing the ridiculous hat I think from the uh, the official ceremonial robes of the servants of Camelot TM uh you have a scene with uh, the rat stew it's not rat but like you have all those moments and it's just full of UST. Like, I remember listening to this podfic. It's podfic by Jenna Corinth. And I remember reading it when I was still in high school and thinking, oh, I'll just, like, read this before bed. And I had my earphones in and I stayed up so late that I 
like I was like okay I have to be up in four hours for school I have to stop now and then every minute I wasn't like having to be alert like so between classes or on my break I had my earphones in and I just said to my friend don't talk to me like I was just so excited to finish it so it's PA CEO it's incredible very very romantic and it's very very much worth it like the build up for their relationship is worth it and everything is amazing um the next one that I'm going to talk about is the good times are killing me there's a reason why iPod fixed this story and it is incredible if you like angst you need to read this fic can you even read it anymore I can't remember Momo uh I think so let me, check while, let me check while you keep talking. I think on the kink meme, possibly. Momo is going to check us now. But um, it is a story in which Mel and Arthur have broken up off page and they have to attend a Christmas party uh, of Lancelot and Gwen's um, at their house where all their friends are and they have to pretend to still be together, which is very hard for them because they've been broken up two weeks and it was not an easy breakup and they still have a lot of unresolved issues and resentment and anger towards one another and they have to pretend to be a couple while still kind of having that seething resentment and there's a scene where they have to play charades and everyone still thinks they're super happy and how good they are with one another and how they play off one another and then it all comes to a head when uh arthur leaves merlin a note uh during the party uh, that causes Merlin to go and find him in one of the spare bedrooms and just have it out with him. And they have a huge argument. And I remember when I read this for the first time, it actually was written as a WIP and it stopped just before the argument was about to take place. And we had to wait a very long time before the update. And when I read that argument, I remember thinking, this is one of those times where I feel like I'm in the room with them and I feel like I shouldn't be there because it was so savage and personal and really spiteful that it felt like I was listening to two people really arguing and then I knew that I had to podfic it one day because it was just so ripe for like performance and it was very hard to do because there's a lot of shouting in it so it was really difficult but so worth it I enjoyed it so much and this fic is really really good and obviously uh, they make up by drinking a cup of coffee together and it's equally amazing, like a lot of feels and like a lot of like, you know, we're going to work on this relationship sort of thing. And it's not that long, the thick, but it's it's very much kind of that isolated, like high stakes emotion kind of thing. And then the last one that I'm going to mention, which I By don't way, think. I've... Yeah. Sorry for interrupting, okay. but it is still available on the kink meme. Good. Amazing. So if you guys want to go and read it, you can. Uh, it's on the kink meme. It's not the best format to read stuff in but I would much rather you read it than have to listen to my voice so please go and read it then the last one I'm going to talk about is uh, one that I've not actually I think talked about on Melissa before and I managed to find a link for I know it's called uh, James Bond Eat Your Heart Out and the reason why I'm talking about this is because this was a fic that I read a lot in my early years in the fandom it's a spy fic it's very long. Well, very long. It's not super long. It's like 70K, but it's on the longer side. And it's loosely based, according to the summary, on the movie Debs, as in D-E-B-S. I have never seen this film. I don't know what the film is about, but I assume it's about spies and things like that. It's really good. Arthur is like a secret agent and Merlin is a hacker and their enemy. And they have like this... Uh, I, 
honestly I haven't read it in quite a while, but um, they are on the lookout for this guy, Emerus, and then Arthur somehow meets him in secret in some capacity or another. I can't remember how. And then um, they obviously end up being really attracted to one another. And Arthur kind of has this weird relationship with him while he's pretending like he's still looking for him. And then he has like an actual secret relationship with him. And it's really good. <laughs> it's really good. Merlin is like one of those super intelligent, like cocky hackers, like you expect him to be. Uh, he, it's it's just incredible. It's everything you kind of expect from a modern Merlin characterization where he's like really kind of cheeky and like really self-confident in like what he can do and um you just pair that up with like secret agent arthur who's also kind of really confident in what he can do and like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna track you down and find you one day and he's like no you're not you know it's that kind of thing and it's just like i haven't read it in a while so maybe it hasn't like maybe hasn't aged as well as like i think it has but i remember thinking it was really really good and it's got that kind of like forbidden relationship thing about it as well so there you go that's one i've not ever talked about on here before i was waiting for this episode to do it so (laughs) those are my modern aurex i know i've been beating you around the head with a lot of them for the last 18 months or more but i love them so there you go and now over to momo yeah i have just a few more that i to my knowledge have not mentioned on here before so there we go First, I have The Passage of Time, which is a series of stories by Freezer Jerky. So far, there are 14 parts. It's roughly 31,500 words. And overall, they are rated as explicit. It's mainly Merther with a couple of background pairings. And it's pretty much a series of fics set in modern times that explores the different characters and relationship dynamics that could exist in this time. So it's, well, it's pretty fluffy and domestic for the most part. There's some angst in it in one of the stories. Like it starts with Arthur and Merlin getting together and then they're developing relationship. And then there's a point in which uh, one of them, I think, think its author has to go to the US for a while for work and then Merlin does something he shouldn't be doing and then they almost break up but then they get back together or sort it out and yeah so all kinds of things it is I mean officially it says that it's unfinished but it's not like every part is finished in itself So you can read the 14 parts and then just be done with it. Like there's nothing left open, if I remember correctly. And then my second one is Of Dragon Babies and Noblemen by Elviatas. It's also rated explicit. It's 15,000 words long. It's also Merthyr and it's modern royalty. And in this, author is the crown prince. Merlin is a dragon lord, and Uther tries to find the right bride for Arthur until Arthur finally admits to being gay, at which point Uther tries to find the right groom for Arthur, because Uther is like, I don't care if you're into men or women, but it has to be someone of noble birth. And after a bunch of not great dates with people like Lancelot and Gwen and Percival and a bunch of other people, Arthur finally meets Merlin and instantly falls in love. Merlin, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's like not the usual way around, is it? 
And Arthur begins the process of slowly courting Merlin, who is a dragon lord in this uh, in this story. So this is why he counts as nobility because he's a dragon lord, and they are a sort of nobility. And so Uther is like, "All right, he is eligible. You can marry him." And Arthur meets him, and they. I don't know what happens in that first meeting. They probably fight about something and Arthur goes back to Uther and is like, okay, you can stop looking for people. I found the right one. I just have to convince him. <laughs> oh my god, that is literally too much for me to handle right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's also baby dragons, so that is it, get, also it gets too better. Much for me to handle. Uh... Yes. Then my next one is called Lonely King by Cory Lanham. It's explicit, it's 58,000 words long, it's Merthyr, of course. Arthur is the Prince of Wales, Merlin is a schoolteacher in Wales, and he's also fiercely anti-royal, and then they work together on an... Oh, Will is in this story quite a lot, he's also fiercely anti-royal. He of and course. Merlin, he and Merlin have a blog together where they... <laughs> Where they constantly rant about the monarchy and how much they hate it and how much the monarchy... Do they the not monarchy... have better things to do with their time? No, I mean, that's just... They do that as a hobby. Oh my god. <laughs> and they just constantly complain about how much money the the, uh, the royal family is wasting, like how much tax money the royal family is wasting and, you know, keeping up the the palaces and their lifestyle and everything. And so, yeah, that. Also... Not plot twist, like it's not even a spoiler because it happens like in the first uh first few scenes of the story is Arthur is a big fan of this blog because he likes to read especially the articles that Merlin writes without knowing that it's Merlin. Like to Arthur, this is an an, an anonymous person on the internet. But Arthur's like, hmm, this person actually has critical insight and good ideas about what the royal family should be doing. <laughs> so I like I like checking in with this person to see how I'm doing. Anyway, they end up working together on an architecture project to improve the school where Merlin works, and that's where they meet. And of course, Merlin is like, I don't want to work with the Prince of Wales. I hate the Prince of Wales. I hate everything he stands for. But he doesn't get a choice, so they have to work together. And Arthur is, this is what you love, Rox, where Merlin is like, sort of treating Arthur like he would treat anybody else, but he does treat Arthur special in that he's especially mean to him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just because Arthur is the prince. Like, there is this one scene where Arthur is nice to Merlin and lends him an umbrella because it's raining and Merlin didn't bring an umbrella. And so Arthur lends him his umbrella and then Merlin gets home and he talks to Will about how much he hates that Arthur has been so nice to him. And then Will is like, we should put it on eBay. <laughs> and so Merlin puts Arthur's umbrella on eBay. <laughs> I'm so, like, when you first said that, I expected it to go more like Arthur lends Merlin an umbrella. And Merlin's like, oh, sure, because you feel sorry for me because I'm some peasant. Keep your umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get wet. Oh, God. Eventually, they do become friends because Merlin realizes, okay, Arthur as a person is not actually that terrible. And yeah, and Arthur is just sort of amused by Merlin's anti-royalist views. Yeah, and then other things happen, and then as a consequence of that, more other things happen, which I shan't spoil for you. Mm. And my last one is Remember, Remember by Winterstorm. It's also an explicit story. It's 16,500 words long. And in this one, Arthur is the king of England, Merlin is a commoner, 
and they start an affair when they're young and Arthur knows he loves Merlin but Merlin feels trapped by having to hide his relationship with Arthur and Arthur eventually has to make a choice between doing his duty and doing what he wants so he picks duty and marries Morgos and they have twins together and then Morgos dies in a car crash very conveniently <laughs> alongside her lover which is very Diana-like and then uh, Merlin is part of the crew that's renovating the house where Arthur wants to live with his children which is the like this house belonged to his mother in you know in I don't know if it's supposed to be London it might be I think it's, it's I think it's London but Arthur has, ha, is having a house renovated and Merlin is part of the crew that's renovating the house and so they meet again and it's sort of a post breakup getting back together working through old resentments sort of story with Arthur admitting that he's always only loved Merlin and regretted breaking up with him but also if he hadn't broken up with him he wouldn't have his beautiful twins now so it's all very bittersweet and interesting oh. so yeah surprise surprise three out of four were modern royalty I was about to say like <laughs> what happened <laughs> Well, this is honestly, especially when I got back into Merlin in, when was it, 2015, that was one of my favorite genres to read, and I still love it. Like, modern royalty AUs are still one of my favorite, favorite tropes, so I will read them a lot. And these are things, like, I won't get to wreck these in most of the other fic categories that we have, so I figured I'd get them out now. So, could that possibly be the end? I believe so. Yes, so uh, we hope that you have enjoyed our insights into modern AU. If you guys have any more wrecks or any more kind of tropes that you think we've missed out, or if you want to tell us what your opinion on modern AU is, then please let us know because we do love to talk about all these wrecks. And I definitely need these wrecks to kick my ass into reading more <laughs> Merlin because right now I'm not reading a lot of Merlin fic, so I need to read more. So for me, Rocks. do it for me. Rocks. Yes. Read There Are No Games in Football. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. This is what happens. Rocks only rereads stuff she already knows because she knows that's I'm good and she, she will love it. Whereas with new fic, there's always the potential of her being disappointed halfway through. And then having wasted time. It's so. the epitome of being a creature of habit. Like the epitome of being a creature of habit is you just go back yes. to what you know feels good. So if you want to torture yourself with more of my presence, I am Miss Snowfox on Tumblr. And also I'm Magical Unicorn 22 on YouTube where I make YouTube vids for Merlin as well as other things. So go and check me out in those two places. Amazing. I'm Momotastic27 on Tumblr for all kinds of reblocks and Momotastic on AO3 for fix. And Isaac, where can we find you? Um, I'm on uh, Tumblr at Softmurther, but I mostly just make uh, angsty gifts there. And uh, <laughs> He really on, does. Uh, I, yeah, someone recently said I don't deserve the URL Softmurther because everything <laughs> <laughs> that's true 
but um, on, on AO3, I am a red-eyed Roth, where I occasionally, very occasionally, write fic. There we go. Amazing. Our theme music was composed by Sidesteppings. Our news music is from Manzardian on freesound.org. Our talkback quote music is Monkeys Spitting Monkeys from I forgot what his name is, but also freesound.org. The man for our cover was made by Brolin's Keep, and the cover was made by me. So what do we have coming up next time? Next time we're going to be talking about the music of Merlin, and we're going to have two guests for this. Yay! Yeah. All right, until we talk to you next time, I have been Momotastic. And I've been Miss Snowfox. And our guest was Isaac. Yay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>